Hello, and welcome to another episode of Music and Vibes. I'm your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Can you believe it, guys? It is March, and we are heading into the third month of 2020. Now, I'm feeling pretty good about this because I see that I'm making some progress in my business, and as of today, I am actually on track with my quarterly goals for the end of quarter one, which is amazing because it's only... Um, the beginning of March, and so I still have the rest of the month to go. So since I'm on track now, I can't wait to see where I'm going to be at the end. Now, working from home has been fun and challenging all at the same time. Like, for example, the past couple of weeks, I have found myself watching TV for a couple of hours in the morning and then starting work around 10 o'clock in the morning. Now, before, it was easier because I used to just get on it, start work, and keep going. But lately, I've been eating breakfast, and I was like, well, I'm going to eat breakfast, I can watch a little bit of TV, and then you know how that is. You start watching television, and then hours later, you're like, oh, got nothing done. So that's what's been happening to me. And so I was like, oh, this isn't good. Now, normally, this would not be a bad thing if I was going to be working until like 5 or 6 in the evening. Because, you know, 10 to 5 or 10 to 6, that would be fine. But however, with my schedule, I need to get the majority of my work done in the morning and during the hours I would say between 8.30 to 2.30. And that's just because after 2.30, I need to pick my kids up from school. And you know how that goes for all you people with parents. All you parents, you know how it goes. Like you pick your kids up. Once they get home, you have to do homework with them, get them ready for the next day, feed them, all that stuff. And it's almost impossible to get any work done. And the crazy thing is, no matter how old your kids get, it's not it, the amount of time that you have to yourself once they get out of school does not change. It's just like whether they're doing something, they could be on teams or whatever's going on. It's a very busy and hectic time after school. So I can't get anything done after school. Then I do make dinner for them sometimes when they eat what I make. And if not, they just make their own. But, you know, you can just imagine the afternoons. They're very busy. And so are the evenings. They are very busy in the Mitchell household. So even though I was getting some work done, I didn't feel that I was spending my time um, the way that I needed to to reach the business goals that I set for myself this year or even for this quarter. So with that in mind, I decided that I would just do something a little bit different. So, you know, I had my little office in my house with my desk and my chair and stuff. I decided to tweak it a little bit. And so what I have started to do is I've got, I've started to um, book the study room at the library. Now in Madison, we have a beautiful library. I love it. So what I do is I book the study room, maybe two to three times a week, and I go there and get my work done. And it has been amazing. Now there are so many pros about this. I don't even know where to explain. Like for one, I don't have to pay for the space. I just put in my library card number and I'm good. The next thing is it's quiet and it's a room that I can go into. So that's a good thing. It's like my own personal office for like three hours. Then, oh, did I mention it was free? I think I did. So it's free. It's quiet. If I need to print something, I don't have to have my personal printer. I can just print it from my laptop to the front and just get my stuff like that. So it's convenient because I have the space I need, the room I need without all of the expenses that would go with me trying to rent an office space. It's also a good thing because I don't have to pay. And I know I keep saying it, but I love not paying for things. It is amazing. So yeah, I don't have to pay for the room. Now I did look into um, sharing or doing a co-working space, but all the co-working spaces in the area, you have to pay, which is fine. It's like, I don't have an issue with that, 
But the point is, right now I'm in the beginning stages of my business. So I'm not making any money. I don't have any revenue. I didn't make anything from what I'm doing. So I didn't want to sign myself up to pay for something when I know I don't have any money coming in from my business yet. Yes, I do have money coming in from my side thing, which I do with VIP kids and from some other things. But I want to actually start making money with from my business before I actually start to spend money on a place, a co-working space or something like that. Now, I do foresee that um, probably before the end of the year, but as of today, that is not something that I have worked into my budget. So that is what I've so I have decided not to do that right now. But I'm glad that the library was available, that it's quiet, and that it has all the equipment that I need. Now, the only con about this is that the um, library in the quiet rooms they're not soundproof. So if there's like a homeschool kid parent besides you and they're doing homeschool with their kids, which I think is awesome. So all you homeschool parents, I'm not talking about homeschool parents. I think it's awesome. And I think it's great that you can teach your kids at home. I think that's a wonderful thing to do. However, I can hear it most of the time if I'm in the library and they're right beside me. But the great thing is most of the people here, we all respect that the library is a quiet place, even Parents who homeschool their kids and maybe one of the study rooms, they keep their kids quiet. They talk to them. It's like you can tell. It's like a real school. So they're teaching, and just like the school environment would be quiet, it's normally quiet there. The only time I have any complaints is if it's like a rowdy kid screaming and making noise. But then once again, I cannot complain because it's free. I'm in a library. I have kids, and they when they were that age, they made just as much noise, if not more. The only time it may be a little challenging is if I'm trying to record a podcast or if I really need to think and forgot my headphones. So that's how that works out. But for the most part, I'm happy. It works out well. I save money and I can still do what I need to do throughout the day. So I'm very happy about that. It's also exciting because when I work better in quiet, I'm not the kind of person who can. I used to be able to listen to music and do things when I worked. Um, but now that I'm now that I'm more mature, I cannot do that because I need quiet. I find I do my best thinking when it's like silent, when it's quiet. So if you ever at the library, you see me and I have my headphones in. It's just because I do my best thinking when it's quiet. I can't do it with a lot of noise. And so since I've had this quiet time and I've been in my office space, which I say quote unquote office space at the library, I've come up with a lot of fun things that I'm thinking of talking about for our next season. Because yes, we are in season three, episode 30. So within the next month, I'm going to say probably by the beginning of April, the first week in April, we're going to start season four and we're going to start over with episode one. I'm super duper excited because I have new cover art for you guys. We have new topics. We have a lot of things that we want to talk about. And I think it's going to be great. So right now I'm organizing everything and getting it together. If you have anything you want me to discuss, whether it's a topic, whether you have any questions about your personal relationship or anything that you want to talk about. And if it's personal, you can do something like a question format, like hypothetically speaking, what if somebody needed this or that? You can do something like that. And then we will do a podcast on the, on what you suggest on your topic. So if you have anything you want me to discuss, any topics you want me to talk about, any ideas for season four, go over to the Music and Vibes podcast on Facebook and message me and tell me what it is that you 
want me to talk about. But let me know and I will do it. So message me that information and I will talk about whatever topic you want to talk about. If you are more of an Instagram person, then go ahead and DM me. You, I'm, my handle on Instagram is at music and vibes so go over there and you can dm me and tell me what you want to discuss or talk about or what you want to hear on the podcast and i'll make sure we have an episode based on your suggestion or you can go to at anique music and that's where you can also find me um on instagram as well but i would say go to the at music and vibes because it would probably be easier for you to find so go to at music and vibes dm me tell me what you want to talk about and we will have a podcast episode about that or if you're more oriented to facebook go to at the music and vibes podcast on facebook that's our page and then tell me what you want me to talk about you can message me that or you can just leave it in the comments whatever you do is great just make sure i get it and then you can give me that information what i may do as well is just give you um the email address. I'll probably try to put it in the show notes so you can email me if you want to just do that and tell me what you'd like to talk about. All right, so head over there now and I can't wait to hear your suggestions and what you'd like to talk about and I promise you I will do a podcast episode about whatever it is you want to talk about or whatever you're interested in. So go over there to Facebook or go to Instagram or look at the show notes and email me what you want to talk about for season four. All right, can't wait to hear from you. Today on the podcast, I would like to talk about some of the reasons why you should stay in your marriage. Now, for those of you who are longtime listeners of the podcast, you know that I don't think of divorce as a first resort. Yeah, I think of divorce as a last resort and that if you can make your marriage work, then you should try to do that. Now, believe it or not, I did not always think this way. I remember being 16, um, talking to one of my friends, and I was talking to her, and I was like, yeah, when I get married, my husband better make more than me. He better have a nice house, a job, car. Well, I still want him to have a job, though. You know, car, all this stuff. Almost, he needs to be almost rich, have a whole bunch of money, and... He needs to do this, that, and the other. And then I said something. I think it went like something like this. I said, um, if I see after the first year my marriage is not working out, then I'll just divorce my husband and find somebody else. And that was my philosophy. My philosophy at that time was that there are so many fish in the sea and that if one person wasn't working out, then I'd just find somebody else who would work out. And that is even how I thought about it when I was dating or even talking to guys. I would have plan A, B, C, D, E. You know, so one person didn't work out or I got tired of them or didn't think that was going to be a good idea, then i just go to plan B. And that is how I thought at that time. And when I think about all the stupid things I said as a child or in my teen years, I'm like, Kiana, you have no idea what you are talking about. So that was my philosophy then, and that is how I thought. Now, of course, now when I think about that conversation and my mindset at that time, I had no idea what I was talking about. Like, oh my goodness, I was so naive. I had no idea. In my mind, I had this idea that marriage was like a fairy tale and that the husband or boyfriend should be... Like, you're Prince Charming, they should cater to you, and if they couldn't do that, 
then they just needed to go. I had no idea about the sacrifice and the compromise that went into making a marriage work. Now, it's a good thing that I waited to get married and did not get married at 16 because that would have been a total disaster. It's a good thing I didn't get married at 20. Disaster. It's a good thing I waited until I was in my mid to late 20s before I decided to get married. So let's fast forward 10 years. I'm 26 years old. I have been married. I've married the man of my dreams. But unfortunately, I still thought that divorce should be like a first option. So this time it wasn't like you just throw him away for anything. It was just like, well, if you see that your marriage is not going well, if things weren't working out, then I thought that um, it was you should get a divorce. Like the first signs of trouble was like, get out, abandon ship, jump, is done. And I also thought that um, I should get whatever I wanted because I was the wife. And that was my husband's responsibility to make me happy by doing or giving me what I wanted or what I said I needed at that time. Yeah. Now I do know that marriage is a two-way street. And I think I knew it then to an extent. But it's one thing to know something and to actually do something. So it's like, yeah, I had an idea. Marriage was a two-way street. And I should be doing things for my husband. But at that time, I just felt that more of the responsibility to make me happy was should be on my husband because I was the woman of the house. Now, after hearing my philosophy and what I thought, and if you add this type of thinking to me becoming a first-time mom and having young children to take care of, in addition to stepkids and my husband and I both trying to get our degrees, then... Oh, and also, let's throw in there a stepdaughter who was acting out at the time. So, yeah, it should come to you as no surprise to anyone that during the first 10 years of our marriage that it was kind of rocky and that there were a couple of times we were really on the verge of divorce. Now, I think a lot of that had to do with what I thought. Well, I think, to be honest, if I want to put it this way, I'm not saying my husband was 100% like not responsible for some of the things that happened during those first 10 years because it takes two to make a marriage it takes two to argue it takes two people to make things not work but we're not talking about him we are talking about me and I think that part of growing in your marriage and part of growing into the person that you're meant to be is being able to take responsibility for your stuff and not always looking at what the other person did or did not do because you can't control them you can't control anything they do or say you can only control your reactions and how you react and come on let's just be honest sometimes our reaction is not what it should be sometimes we can take something minor and blow it out of proportion by our reaction by our actions by what we say we do this so today even though we had our difficult times i'm not even going to discuss my husband because i'm taking responsibility for the things that i did during this time that made maybe a difficult situation uh unbearable or a bad situation so there were a lot of things that i did wrong a lot of things i said and i think that Neither my husband or I knew how to communicate without having anger or how to talk about problems instead of pointing out what we thought was wrong with each other. I know that's what's my thing because whenever I got upset, I would point, I'd be like a lawyer. I would mentally take note of all the stuff you did wrong, and then as soon as something happened, oh, well, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And so 
That was a lot of it. We didn't know how to communicate. And I personally did not know how to communicate that well. A lot of it also had to do with dealing with the unknown and not knowing how to support each other during difficult times. Or can I say me not knowing how to support him during the difficult times that we were going through. Now, let me tell you, it was a huge learning curve. And there were many days and nights that I cried because I was unsure of first what I needed to do to make things better. And I didn't know where to go. I knew what I should be doing, kind of, because I am the quote-unquote self-appointed queen of self-help books, but it's one thing to read and know, and it's another thing to do. So you can know something, but you may not know how to implement it. Implement it. You may not know how to take action on the knowledge that you know, and I think that's where it was. It's like I kind of knew what I needed to do, but I didn't know how to take action. Like, for example, I read the book The Love Dare so many times. Well, I tried to read the book The Love Dare so many times, but I was unable to complete that book every time that I read it. The reason I was unable to complete the book each time I read it was mainly because it talked a lot about forgiveness, talked a lot about sacrifice, It talked a lot about trying to put yourself in other people's shoes and empathy and all that stuff. And at the time, I did not want to hear it because I was just like, well, I'm not the person who's wrong. Because I thought my husband was more wrong than I was. And I did not think that I had any culpability in anything that was going on. So, of course, if I knew what I should do, but I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, this doesn't apply to me because he's more wrong and I didn't do this or whatever then of course it's not going to work and I think that's where it is and I think that's where so many of us find ourselves is where we look at the other person as being wrong and we don't think about ourselves and what we do we think that they're the big problem and we're just like dealing with what's happening so that is what happened so it wasn't until I decided to stop trying to control and change my husband and instead to pray for him and focus on changing myself that things got better. It wasn't until I realized, Kiana, you need to change. You are not perfect. And it wasn't until I began to see that, yeah, there wasn't just a couple of things I needed to work on. There was like a whole list of things that I needed to work on. So I began to work on myself, pray for him, and change the way I reacted to some of the things he may he said or did. And once I thought about it and my mindset changed, some of the things he said or did weren't even bad. It's just because I had this view of what he was supposed to do, how he was supposed to react. And if it didn't coincide with my worldview of what I thought he should be doing, then in my mind it was wrong and, you know, you're just wrong. But it wasn't even like that. So it wasn't until I changed myself that things began to change. And I want to point out, and sometimes the problems that we face in our marriage are not relationship-ending issues at all, but they are instead a symptom of a bigger problem. That problem could be a lack of communication. That problem could be not listening or truly understanding what your spouse is trying to say or what they're asking for. Most of the problems in your marriage, no matter how difficult they may seem, can be worked out with the help of a counselor and by changing your mindset and how you react to your spouse. Sometimes an irritable demand is really a cry for help from someone who is unable to cope with the situation at that time, and they may not know how to ask for help. And we have to realize we got to cut our spouses some slack at times because we don't even always know how to ask for help. Like for me, here's what I do when I try to ask for help. First, I'll be busy. I'll be doing all the stuff on myself. Then I'll start making a little noise like, hmm, hmm. And then 
After a while, I started making comments. Well, I'm the only one doing this. I'm the only one doing that. And then I get mad at my husband. Now, is that fair? Not once did I say, hey, I have a lot going on. Could you please help me with this? Because he probably would have said yes. But I never gave him an opportunity to say yes or even to say no because I made my assumptions like, oh, he's just not going to help anyway. And then I made my opinions and then I reacted based on what I thought he would or would not do, which is not fair. And I know I'm not the only one who does this. I'm pretty sure you do it too. But I'm just going to be honest with you guys and tell you that's what I would do. So it wasn't until I learned how to communicate and ask for help with things that I needed that things began to change. And it wasn't until my husband began to work on himself and stopped trying to make me do what he thought I should do that things our relationship began to change for him so it's not about two people trying to make the other person do what they want it's about two people coming together realizing their faults and working on themselves for the good of the marriage now here's a good example about a year ago i was talking to one of my sisters and she told me that she and her husband had gotten into a huge argument that morning about one of their cars and that he was fussing at her because the window would not go down now, of course, as she's listening to this, she's getting very upset because he's blaming her for something that's totally not her fault and it's out of her control. Like, how can she control whether a window works or not? And she was mad because she's like, he knew when he got the car that the window didn't work. So why is he fussing at me about it now when he knew about it before he even got the car? So she was mad. But because my sister had been working on herself and working on her own personal issues and the way she reacted and did things, Instead of like reacting and start to scream at her husband and venting and being mad at him, she did not do that because she learned from a lot of self-assessment about herself that she cannot react when she's angry and that when she's angry, it's hard for her to deal with situations in a rational way, which is true because I found that about myself too. If I'm mad, mostly I'll just shut down and I'm not going to shut down because I just don't want to be bothered. I realize that when I'm angry, I don't make good decisions. Um, I don't approach things in a more in the rational way at all because I'm just so angry. So I always have to give myself time to calm down, think about what happened, assess the situation, and then go from there from a rational point of view. So my sister and I were alike with that. So that's what she did. Now, she did call me sometime during the day to vent about the problem. But then afterwards, she decided to pray about it, and then she talked to her husband. And... She talked to him when he came home from work, when he was relaxed, and then she talked to him about what had happened, and she explained to him that um, it made her feel kind of bad because she had nothing to do with the way the car was acting. It was not even her fault, and she felt her feelings were hurt that he was fussing at her about it. And that is when he apologized to her, and he was like, hey, I'm so sorry. He told her he was stressed out about work because he was running late, and someone from the office kept calling him to find out where he was and if he's on his way. So... As we see, he fussed, he got mad, but it really had nothing to do with my sister at all. It had something to do with how he was feeling, and he was unable to, at that moment, communicate to her how he was feeling. So that is how he reacted. But if my sister had reacted in the way she normally did, screaming, fussing, and fighting with him, then they would have never come to this conclusion. She would have never found out the real reason why he was upset, because him screaming and being angry with her or seemingly being upset with her was a symptom of a bigger problem the bigger problem was that he was stressed out about work that was the core issue 
But if she had just focused on it, don't you talk to me this way, this, that, and the other, she would have never found out the core issue, and they would have never been able to talk about it. And so they decided that the next time he was stressed out or whatever, just say, hey, I'm feeling stressed about such and such and such. And then they could discuss it like that, or he could say, hey, I just need some time. I'm feeling stressed, and leave him alone like that. But they would have never figured that out if she had reacted the way that she normally did. And so it just goes to show us that sometimes when we react instead of think or try to approach things in a rational situation, when we react instead of trying to truly communicate, then we never get to the core issue. We never get to the heart of the matter. And we're just going off of symptoms. We're trying to fix our marriage by putting band-aids on symptoms, but never finding out what the real issue is. So that is what happened. And that is why I think that even though there are marriages that are on the brink of divorce, that it can be saved. We just need to change how we do some things. Um, many times in our marriage, in our relationship, many arguments and problems could be avoided if we just listened to each other and if we took the time to deal with the real issue at hand. Just by having meaningful conversations can heal so many hearts and repair marriages on the brink of divorce. It's my belief that the majority of people who get married do not really want to divorce, but because they feel as if there's no hope or maybe they don't know what to do, divorce becomes a solution to an unfixable problem. Now, if your marriage is in this type of situation right now, then let me tell you, there is hope and marriage does not have to be and divorce does not have to be a solution for your problem. There are things you can do right now to begin repairing your marriage. And we're going to talk about some of those things right now. So one of the things that I find very helpful in repairing your marriage is self-assessment. What did I just say? Mm -hmm. Self-assessment. Now here's why it's important to self-assess. When you self-assess, you get to know yourself. You get to know what makes you tick. And I know a lot of people like, well, I already know what makes me mad. No, you don't. You understand, you know why you react a certain way, but you're not really sure of the feelings and the emotions that make you react this way. You know that, oh, if someone said this, I'm just going to get mad. But let's ask yourself, why do you get mad? What is it that made you feel, what is it that happened in your life that makes you respond in anger when a certain thing happened? So it's like once you begin to know yourself, once you begin to understand the baggage that you have brought with you from previous relationships or your childhood, once you begin to understand yourself and why you do the things that you do, then and only then can you understand and change your actions. Like for example, I mentioned earlier, I know that when I'm angry, I don't make good decisions. So if I'm feeling angry, I think, Kiana, calm down. Why are you upset? And then I talk about it with to myself because I do my own self-assessment and then I'm like okay what do you think he meant by this and then I go and evaluate the problem from a rational standpoint rather than getting angry or like just screaming first so the point is get to know yourself because if you know yourself and know why you do the things that you do then you can understand how sometimes your reactions can make the problem worse instead of better and once you start changing how you react to situations then you can change the course of your marriage now, while you're doing your self-assessment, I am going to encourage you to talk with a counselor. Now, let me just break this down. I know people think, oh my goodness, talking to a counselor, I'm not crazy, there's nothing wrong with me. Okay, let's just get this out on the table. Just because you talk to a counselor does not mean that there's something wrong with you, okay? There, 
that is just a myth that I get so tired of hearing about, not just because I have a master's in psychology, but because talking to a counselor can also be a thing that helps you. I've talked to counselors before, and it's not because I was having any major issue. It's just because I realized, oh, this is something I need to work on, and I needed to talk about it with someone to help me work on a different issue or whatever. So talking to a counselor while you're going through the self-assessment process is going to be a plus for your marriage because a counselor can help you realize why you're acting this way, why you're reacting a certain way, and then they can let you know, okay, well, instead of reacting this way, try reacting this way, do this, or try to do that. You can talk about it and you can come up with a game plan for how you can change your own reactions and how you can change the way you do different things. So you will be able to get to know yourself in a better, in a more intimate level because you understand why you're doing things, not that, oh, I do this. You understand why you're reacting that way instead of just knowing that you react. And sometimes talking to a counselor can help you do that because I'm just going to tell you, I'm not always honest with myself. And a lot of people are not. It's hard to be honest with yourself because when you're honest with yourself, you have to tell yourself, oh, I was being mean. Oh, that was just totally rude. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And you have to be honest with yourself. So having a counselor is kind of is going to give you some type of accountability and help you to be honest with yourself on in a, such a way that you can actually learn and grow from what you are going through and your self-assessment. Because the whole point is to grow and to learn. And if you're not growing and learning, then it's a waste of time. So, so do self-assessment, get to know yourself and what makes you trigger, what makes you ticks and what your triggers are and why, what happened to make you feel this way in this situation. I say talk to a counselor so that together you can navigate through the getting to know yourself and you can also come up with like a game plan, what you should do, of how you can work on diff different activities that you can do to work on yourself to help your marriage. So that, that is number one. Well, one and two. I would also suggest that you learn how to communicate your needs without blame. And this is important because so many times we communicate our needs but we blame the other person. Like when I mentioned earlier how if I if I feel like I'm doing everything, I'll say, oh, well, I'm doing everything and you're not doing anything. So what I'm really doing in essence is blaming my husband like, oh, well, I'm doing this. You're not doing anything. And the reason I'm feeling frustrated is because it's your fault. You're not helping. You're not doing this. You're being lazy. You're not doing that. That is so unfair because never once was he asked for help. So the point is to communicate your needs without blaming your spouse. And sometimes it's hard to do that because most of us don't even communicate our needs or even ask for help until we're at that point of breaking until we're at that point of frustration then we communicate our needs but that's not how it should be we should communicate our needs to begin with so that we're doing it without frustration and without blame so for example if you want your husband to help you out with the kids you may say something to him like hey sweetheart i've been feeling really stressed lately the kids are really a lot, especially after school. Could you please help me out by doing such and such and such? See, you communicated your need without blame. Or guys, if you um, need help from your wife with maybe keeping the kids quiet during a certain part of the day when you get home from work so you can just relax or calm down, instead of like avoiding coming home or not talking about it and getting frustrated and just giving people a cold shoulder, you should just communicate and say, hey, sweetheart, 
uh, when I get home, I'm really stressed out from work and everything. Could you please keep the kids quiet for maybe a half an hour? And then after that, I'll watch them for this amount of time so you can have a chance to relax or whatever. But if it just works out better. See, you communi- communicated your needs without blaming your wife for the kids being loud and quote-unquote out of control. So the point is, communicate your needs without blame. There are many ways to do this. There are books to help you. Or if you take my advice and talk to a counselor, there are ways that you can work on this without um, with a counselor. And they can help you learn how to communicate your needs without blame. But if you don't, if you're unable to afford a counselor right now, then there are books that you can read about communicating your needs without blame. So the whole thing is you communicate what you need, but don't blame the other person for being the reason that you your needs aren't being met. So communicate your needs without blame. The next thing is learn how to effectively resolve your issue by dealing with the issue at hand. Yes, this is important. And I mentioned it earlier with my sister and her situation with her husband. We have got to deal with the situation at hand. It's almost like you getting hurt. Let's say, for example, you get hurt. Let's say you're bleeding or whatever. So you go to the hospital and you're like, okay, doctor, I just need a bandage. But you're bleeding a lot. And he's like, no, we got to find out why you're bleeding. You're like, no, that's not important. Don't need to know why I'm bleeding. I just need a Band-Aid. And that is what we do in our relationships because that seems totally dumb and crazy. Like, how are you going to go to a doctor or a hospital, tell them you need a Band-Aid, but not try to find out the reason why you're bleeding? Or go to the hospital, just I need painkillers, but not try to find out the real reason why you are in pain. But we do this in our marriage. We don't try to find out why our spouse is upset. We just get mad because they're upset. We don't try to find out the reason why our spouses may be frustrated, we just get mad because they are frustrated. We don't try to find out the reason why they may not feel like they can talk to us. We just get mad because they don't talk to us. We don't try to find out the real reason for these problems. And so your marriage is not going to get better if you are just putting Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid on a symptom of a problem and not dealing with the core issue of the problem. So we need to learn how to effectively resolve our conflict by dealing with the issue at hand. So just like my sister in her situation, instead of dealing with the fact that her husband was upset and blaming her for foolishness and screaming, she didn't even worry about that. She talked to him later on and found out that the real issue was that he was dealing with stress at work. There have been times in my marriage where my husband has been like quiet or silent, wouldn't say anything, and I'm a talkative person. So one way to really frustrate me is like not to talk to me when I'm asking you questions. Or if I'm asking questions, trying to have a conversation, you kind of just like, okay, well, yeah, and not really engaging. That really pisses me off at times. So I know that in our marriage, there have been times when my husband was like quiet, not saying much, and I was getting mad. Well, fine, don't talk to me. You know, getting all the attitude because he wasn't communicating. When the problem was later on, I would find out that he was stressed about something or he had something on his mind and he just needed some time to process it. So. Me getting upset did not help the situation, and then we get into a big argument. So the problem was not that he didn't want to talk to me. The problem was that he was dealing with something, and he just needed time to evaluate what was going on and to figure it out before he can talk. Because my husband and I are different. I am a talker, so I talk about everything. I even brainstorm when I'm talking to people. When I talk to people, that's when I come up with my ideas and, you know, it works for me. But he's like the opposite. He needs time to think. And then once he's thought about what he's going to say, he thinks about 
how he feels about things, then he'll talk to you about it. And it wasn't until I learned this that I realized the issue was not that he was not talking, but the issue was he just needed that time to think. And so that was the thing. He needed time to think, and it wasn't that he didn't want to talk. But it wasn't until I started working on myself and we talked about it and discussed it that we realized this is what the problem was, and that he just needed his time to think about things without me getting mad at him because he was not talking. So we managed to deal with that issue at hand, the not talking, and figure out what the problem was, what was going on, and deal with it. And now it's not an issue because if I'm talking to him, not saying anything, I'm like, oh, he just has a lot on his mind. And then later on he comes and he talks to me. So this is important, which also leads into the next thing I'm going to talk about. Don't take it personal. Yes. Do not take it personal. So if your husband is mad at you or if your wife is mad at you or if they snap at you or they're irritable, do not take it personal. Because here's the thing. We all have good days. We all have bad days. And if we took the time and thought about how many times we have snapped at our husbands or wives or said something to them that we should not have said or just been upset, then we would know that it is possible to do and that if we have done it, of course they're going to do it too. So what I'm saying is this. If your husband is frustrated, he snaps at you or make it like a snide remark or comment. Don't take it personal. Let yourself calm down or whatever. Yeah, just don't take it personal. Be like, okay, he must be having a bad day. And then talk to him about it later when he is more rational. And then try to come to the reason why what he said, why he said what he said. Or if you know for a fact your wife is not having a good day, don't take it personal if she like, makes a, a rude comment or whatever. Let it go, and then talk about it later. I think sometimes the reason it's hard for us to resolve our conflict is because we take it personal. Like It is difficult to resolve a conflict when we're taking it personal. So if something's being said, I'm like, oh, so you just said this directly to me, and you take it personal, it's harder to resolve the conflict. Here's an example. All right, at my church, the thing that annoys me the most is I hate when people talk about clothes or what people are wearing. So there have been times when people have um, mentioned something about clothes or said something. And, of course, I got upset. I'm just like, oh, so you feel like you have a right to talk about people's clothes or whatever. And I took it personal. So when I take things personal, then I treat people differently. Why do I treat them differently? Because I feel as if you're attacking me. And my whole philosophy, which I'm working on, not perfect yet, is if you attack me, then I'm coming for you, which is ridiculous because half the time, if you think about it, people say things, but they're not actually coming for you. They're not trying to attack you. They're just having a bad day. They said it, it came out. And because we take it personal, we're like, oh, okay, this is how you feel, then I'm going to come for you. And so many times we do this in our marriage. Like if our husband or wife is having a bad day, they snap, they don't return a phone call, they don't do whatever. We take it personal and we automatically assume the worst because we're just like, oh, you didn't call me back? I wonder what you're doing. I wonder about this and that and the other. When it has nothing to do with that, they're just having a bad day. Things are not going good for them. So if you don't take things personal and you remove yourself out of the equation like, oh, he did this to me or she said this to me, how dare they? If we took ourselves out of it and was like, okay, they said this, I wonder what's going on with them, then we would have a better way to approach it because it wouldn't be about how dare you disrespect me how dare you do this to me it would be like are you okay what's happening what's going on and we would have more empathy and we more sympathetic to what they're dealing with because most of our spouses 
unless they're really just a psychopath, which I doubt, they're like us. They don't know how to deal with a lot of their emotions or things that they're dealing with. And so, yes, they may not react the way that they should react. But if we just don't take it personal and we try to find out what's happening with them, then it will be easier for us to resolve the conflict without taking without slicing and fighting and find out what the problem is for real. It would just be easier. The next thing is like we got to learn how to forgive. And learning how to forgive is essential and it's important for us to do because if your spouse says something rude to you or if they yell or just do something crazy, I don't know. If you don't forgive them, then you cannot work on the problem. If you don't forgive them, you can't resolve the conflict. If you don't forgive them, you can't communicate your needs. What unforgiveness does in a relationship is it tears it down brick by brick by brick. Unforgiveness destroys your trust, so that's one brick to tore down. It takes away your confidence in that person. Something else it took away. Oh yeah, it takes away how you think about them. It takes away your feelings for them. It replaces feelings of love and trust with like anger, resentment. I'm not gonna say hatred, but you know what I'm saying. It just replaces the good feelings that we would normally have, like gratitude and appreciation, with feelings of being resentful, feelings of distrust, not liking them. And over time, all of these things can build up a wall that will destroy your marriage. So it's important for us to learn how to forgive. So if you ask your husband, how's your day? He doesn't say anything. Forgive him. Don't take it personal. Move on. Later on, you can say something like, hey, sweetheart, I noticed earlier when I asked you how your day was, you seem kind of stressed. What's going on? Is there anything I can do to help? Something like that. Because when you learn how to forgive people, you can bring out the best in them by learning how to forgive someone who you feel have wronged you. And most of the time in our marriage, your spouse is the person who is going to probably wrong you or hurt you because you guys are married, because you are together. The longer you're together, I'm sure that they're going to say things because you cannot put on an act all the time and pretend to be somebody that you're not. So they're a true person that's going to come out. And sometimes the person that they are is like us. They're you're probably a good person. They're just flawed. So we have to learn how to forgive them and forgive their flaws, just like we would want them and even expect them to forgive our flaws and to accept us as we are. We have to accept them the way that they are and learn how to forgive and move forward. So many times I've heard people talk about grudges that they held on to for years and never told their spouse about it or even talked about it. That's unfair and it eventually destroyed their marriage. So don't do that. Learn how to forgive and don't forgive a year from now. Try to forgive as the offense happened because if you forgive, if your husband says something rude, you forgive immediately, then you can find out, okay, what's going on. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to get mad because we're human. You probably will get mad. But if you know yourself and you self-assess, then you can understand why this made you upset. You can deal with that. And then you can also get to the core issue of the problem. So learn how to forgive. It's totally important. Another important thing to do is to show gratitude and appreciation. Gratitude can tear down a whole list of faults. So, you know we're flawed. I just wanted to like point that out. You're flawed, I'm flawed, your spouse is flawed. We have problems, we have issues, we have baggage. But here's the thing. We have to look past those things because that's not who they are. That's a part of what they carry with them. It could be a moment that they're not at their best. But at the core, that's not who they are. So we need to appreciate them 
for the good person that they are. Appreciate them for the kind things that they do, the loving things that they do. Accept them and show them gratitude for being who they are. And the more gratitude and appreciation you give for your spouse, the more their actions are going to change toward you. The more you thank them, the more you appreciate them, and let them know how much you really they really mean to you, then their actions are going to change. So if you change your actions of always complaining about them and talking down to them or talking about them in negative ways, and if you replace that with gratitude and appreciation, then their attitude and their behavior is going to change. Not because you change them. No, we cannot change people. We can change ourselves. But because you change yourself and how you view your spouse. So that's important. Also, show affection. There is nothing wrong with giving a hug, patting them on the back, I mean, kissing them, whatever. Show affection because that's another way people connect and build bonds with each other by showing affection. And affection does not always have to be sex. Okay, let's just put that out there. Sex is good, but it doesn't always have to be how you show affection. It could be holding hands. It could be something nice. It could even be a text message like, I love you, or something like that, a heart emoji. Showing affection can be a lot of things. So try to show affection at least once or twice a day to your spouse. Don't allow issues to go unresolved. That's the next thing that I think is important. Because the more you let issues go unresolved and you don't work on them, then like I said, you are tearing down your marriage brick by brick and you are building up a wall that you will not be able to get over. So if you guys are upset about something, maybe you can't talk about it at that moment, okay? So just because you don't let issues go unresolved also does not mean that as soon as it happens, you have to attack it, jump on it, move forward. No, because sometimes if you jump on issues immediately, you're not going to have a good result. He's mad, you're mad, or she's mad, you're mad. No one's thinking about it rationally. You're just going off of emotion. So going off of emotion never works. It's not a good idea. So it may be better to allow yourself a cooling down period. And maybe that can be in half an hour. Maybe it could be a whole day and you talk about it in the evening. It could be discussing it the next day. I don't know what the time is right for you, but whenever it is, then you go back after you've all calmed down and let clearer heads prevail. And then you go back and you talk about the issue and get that issue resolved. But do not go months, weeks, years without talking to each other or the resolving issues that need to be resolved. It's also important to have those hard conversations because if you do not have hard conversations with your spouse and just let things go, then this can also build up, this can also create problems because you're not talking about things that you need to talk about and your marriage is not getting better because you're not discussing things that need to be discussed. So communication is key. Another thing that I think is important is to spend time with your spouse and get to know them. Yes, so you get to know yourself, but you also need to get to know your spouse because if you get to know them, then you'll understand why they're doing what they're doing and you will be able to not take it personal because you're just like, oh, he's just upset and you'll know how to talk to him. Here's an example. I have three daughters. I can pretty much pinpoint why each kid is upset, why they're reacting the way that they do and understand what's going on with them. So because I can understand this, I know to an extent how to deal with each kid while they're having their meltdowns because I know my kids. So the important thing is you need to know your spouse because if they're having a meltdown, and please people, just because we're grown don't mean we don't throw tantrums. I throw my tantrums. Now maybe I'm not getting on the floor crying, screaming and kicking my legs and acting ridiculous, 
But as a grown-up, I do, and I have, thrown tantrums. Whether it's not speaking or being passive-aggressive, yeah, that's our way of throwing the tantrum. So, if you know this about your spouse, oh, they're just upset, they're this. Or maybe, oh, they're, they're sad, they're this. You will know how to react to them. You'll know how to respond. You'll know how to communicate with them. You'll know not to take it personal. You can forgive them. You can show them affection and gratitude and appreciation because you know that they are feeling this way. You know what is going on with them. Sometimes we take the time to get to know all the negative things about our spouse. Like, oh, he's getting upset right now. Or, oh, he's doing this. But we don't take the time to know the good things about them and actually get to know like their core. Like, why are, are they acting this way? Why did they react this way? What is it that made them react this way? And let me just break it down. A lot of times, our spouses, and even we, react to things, people, places, situations, and actions based on something that we have either experienced in our childhood or we have seen our parents go through in our childhood. I did a podcast a while back on how your parents' relationship does affect the relationship that you have with your spouse and it's not until you get to realize those um unhealthy patterns that you saw in your parents relationships or the dysfunctional or you get past the dysfunction that you saw in your parents relationships that you can move forward with your relationship and have a healthy and successful one now it can be done and we people are doing it all the time but you have to be aware of these things of these external circumstances that or factors that affect your marriage so that you can understand what you need to do and, and get how you need to react and how your spouse and why your spouse reacts. So for example, get to know your spouse. Spend some time with him or her. Spend some time with their parents so that you can understand how they grew up a little bit, how their parents' relationship was, why they may feel a certain way. Get to know them, get to their core, understand them. And then you can do all of these things that I suggest in addition to your own self-assessment and your marriage can get better and it will get better and it can get better because you know how to deal with them because you know them you don't just know the negative things about them you know the good things about them so you know them so you can pull out the good maybe when they're having a bad day and appreciate them in spite of what they what they're doing you can get to know them and get to the core issue of what the problem is finally i would like to bring this all back to us and say, you need to examine your own response. Now, there are a lot of times in my marriage where I'm just gonna be honest, my response was warranted, but didn't have to be expressed in anger or frustration. You can give a response to a negative situation that is not negative, but let someone know, okay, I'm disappointed, this, that, and the other, but not be negative where you're screaming at someone, hollering or whatever. That's not acceptable. Screaming and hollering is not a form of communication. That's what kids do when they are unable to communicate their needs and their wants. And sometimes as adults, we don't learn this. So we scream at, as we were kids, we would scream at our sisters and brothers, and we never outgrew this habit. So today it's time for us to outgrow the childish way that we communicate with the screaming, with the yelling, with the passive aggressive, not talking to you kind of thing. This is grade school stuff. We have to outgrow this and we have to examine our response. So our responses should be responses that are not hurtful. They should be responses that are appropriate for the situation and responses 
that are not tearing the person down because we are frustrated or angry. Now, I understand how frustrating it can be, how hurtful it can be if you and your spouse are at a place where you feel like your only option is divorce. But let me assure you that if that you are not the only couple who's feeling this way or who has felt this way, it's good to know sometimes that you're not alone because you may think, oh my goodness, you know, we're such failures, I didn't do this. No, you are not alone. Many couples have felt this way. Many couples have almost divorced. But if you ask them now, 20 years later, or 30 years later, even five or 10 years after the fact, they can tell you, okay, this is what we did. We used to do this, but we did this. And they can give you some, not advice, but it's good to hear the stories of other people and learn from their mistakes so that we can correct our own mistakes and not so much follow in the same path that they followed. I would even suggest if you know your parents' marriage was dysfunctional or if you know that your parents' marriage was not healthy, look at that, study it. And then do your best to do differently. Learn where they failed, where they went wrong, where they made mistakes, and you do the opposite. And that is why I say sometimes talking to a counselor can help you mold all this together so that you'll understand why you react a certain way, why you do things, and what you can do to help your spouse and get closer to them, and how your communication can get better. And it's important not just to know your parents, relationship habits or what they did but it's also important to know your spouses so you can kind of see where they're coming from and why they may react a certain way and that is why it's important to do that yeah it's a lot of assessment it's a lot of looking yourself and it's a lot of work but the important thing is if you put in the work in your marriage you're going to see results and if you are feeling right now that divorce is the only option that there's no way out let me just tell you it's a good thing that you're feeling this way because now you are clearly aware that there is an issue in your marriage and when you are aware of an issue or a problem you can fix it like for example if you had a broken bone in your foot but your foot never hurt you would not know to go to a doctor and to get help for your foot or if your lungs had um Oh, or if you're, um, you had kidney stones but you never felt pain, you would never know to go to the doctor and get this taken care of. Or if your appendix is about to burst but you never felt the pain, you would not know to go to a doctor and get help. So the important thing I want to tell you is that pain sometimes is necessary. Pain is important. So the fact that you're feeling the pain that you're feeling in your marriage is good because you're aware there's a problem. We've got to fix this. And the fact that you are aware that it is a problem lets me know that it's probably not too late to change the situation. So what I would advise you to do, I know a lot of couples who have enlisted the help of a marriage counselor, so I would advise you to do that too. But if it's not something that you can do or feel comfortable with doing at this time, start with the list of things that I mentioned in the podcast today, with the self-assessment, getting to know yourself, communicate your needs without blame, learn how to effectively resolve your conflict by dealing with the issue at hand, don't take things personal. Learn how to forgive. Show forgiveness and appreciation. Show affection. Don't allow issues to go unresolved. Spend time with your spouse and get to know them. Examine your own response. These things are helpful, but I would strongly, strongly, strongly suggest that you go through these steps and that you work on yourself with a counselor because then they can help you. They've gone to school with it. They're like the doctor. They've gone to school for this stuff. They understand and they can help you understand what's going on and how to be able to communicate your feelings and talk about things. 
That is why it's important. And I would suggest if you are going to see a counselor because your marriage is not good or whatever, you don't always have to go with your spouse because sometimes they are a little reluctant to go with you to see a counselor. So you don't always have to go with them. You can go by yourself. And if you go see a counselor by yourself, let them know, hey, my marriage is not in a good place. I want it to get better. I'm here to work on myself to help my marriage get better. They can help you with that. You don't always have to have you and your husband or you and your wife to do this. Sometimes it's just you can do this. Sometimes one person making an effort to change can change everything. It's almost like a team. You can be on a whole team of people and one person can decide, hey, I want to get better at this. They get better and all of a sudden, you know, the team is winning. Now, it is better if the whole team works together to get the win, but sometimes one person can change one thing. Don't let people, don't even let people tell you that you by yourself cannot do something to improve your marriage because you can. There's a lot of power in one person standing up and saying, you know, I want to save my marriage. I want to do this. And this is what I'm going to do. It takes a lot. A person, one person can make a huge difference in a marriage. So this week, what I want to do is just let you know it's not too late. You can do this. And that you definitely, one person can make a huge difference. Now, the song that we're going to talk, listen to today is called um, Broken Hearts. Now, the song typically it was really is really about a woman who's in a bad relationship. She broke up and is saying broken hearts for men. And the reason I decided to do that today is because I want to remind you that if your marriage is on the brink of divorce, then I encourage you right now to begin taking action toward making your marriage work. Now, the reason I chose the song Broken Hearts is because I feel to an extent that this song is appropriate for today's show because I want you to know that if you're in a bad place in your marriage and your heart is broken, that one day that your heart will mend. It's not going to be broken forever. You will forgive. You will heal. Your heart will mend. And one day you'll be able to get over the negative way that you feel about your spouse. Um, I think the lyrics like broken hearts, they will mend, but it takes time for them to heal, which is true, but it will happen one day. Yes, one day you'll love again. Now, in this, it says you'll get over him. Oh, yes, you will. But what I want to do is kind of rephrase that. Like, when I say in this instance, in this episode, I want you to think about it when it says you'll get over him. Oh, yes, you will. As if you're going to get over the bad things that have happened to you. You're going to get over the negative things that he may have said. And one day, you'll be able to love him again. Because it's all about healing broken hearts. And it's going to take some time. But if you start working on it now you can begin to save your marriage. And so, here's the song, Broken Hearts. We used to laugh and have fun. I used to think you were the one. All of this time, I gave you my heart. I thought nothing could tear us apart. And one day, you came to me.
Before I end the podcast today, I would just like to take the time to thank you guys so much for listening to me and for spending time with me each week. It's this year, um, I think in March, I have to go check and see, but I think the third or fourth week of March, it will mark two years since this show, the Music and Vibes podcast, has been available. So we are two-year anniversary. I am super-duper excited. And I thank you guys for listening and for being here with me each Wednesday. Thank you guys for letting me change the days occasionally when Wednesday was not a good day for the podcast to come out. Thank you. Just thank you for being awesome. Thank you so much for just being amazing friends and people who listen to the podcast. I truly love you guys, and I thank you so much for all of your support. I also want to take this time to thank Anique Music. Anique Music has been sponsoring Music and Vibes for the past year and a half. And I am just thankful for their support and for their sponsorship. Anique Music is a publishing company and Anique Music represents all of the music heard here on the Music and Vibes podcast. So thank you so much, Anique Music, for your support. And I look forward to working with you in the future. Now, guys, a lot of things are going to be happening that I just want to give you the heads up about. Um, I think that what we're going to do is probably within the next week, but or at least by the time we start season four, I'm going to change the name of the podcast. It's still going to be Music and Vibes, but I'm just going to call it the Music and Vibes podcast. And so that will happen the first week in April, along when we start season four of the podcast. And so, like I said earlier... If you have not already done so, please go and subscribe because I may add an extra day. I may do something special. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it, but I know I want to do something special for you guys. So go ahead, subscribe to the podcast. I'm going to try to put the link in the show notes so you can subscribe to the podcast and so that if a day change or if I throw in another podcast, if I do something special for you guys, you'll be able to get it because you have subscribed to the podcast. So I'm going to make it easier for you. I'm going to put the link to the podcast in the show notes. So just go click it, subscribe. It doesn't take long at all. And subscribe to the podcast so that you can get all of the information and all the updates for the Music and Vibe podcast. You'll have it immediately when it happens and not have to wait until I either put it out on Facebook or Instagram. So yeah, go subscribe. I also want to tell you guys, it is okay with me if you share this podcast episode with a friend. Please, please, please share this episode with a friend, share it with a family member. If you want to share another episode, it's fine. Like I said, we have been going strong for the past two years almost. So there are tons of episodes for you to pick from. But if you see that or if you know someone who needs to hear this episode today, please 
share it. And it's easy to share. There should be like a little, not like a triangle, but it had, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a little share button. And you click on it, and it'll tell you how to share it with your friends. So you can share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it on your page and social media. Just share it, because I know that if you enjoyed it, someone else would like to hear it. So guys, thank you so much. I think that's all. If you have any questions or any concerns, or you just want to contact me and talk to me, that's cool too. Just message me at the Music and Vibes podcast Facebook page, or you can... Um, DM me on Instagram, and that is just called at Music and Vibes. All right, well, I think that's all for now. Guys, love you so much. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you later. Bye bye.